0: Howie. I dominated even more than usual. Duck. Yeah, I don't think so, Howie. <laughs> triple M's Winter Breakfast. Winter Breakfast, Triple M, four minutes after eight. I may need to be called on to dominate a touch more, which is not a term I usually use because the great duck, who is in Adelaide, he is a little bit crook at the moment. We're hopefully going to get him in at some stage, but at this point, yeah, just could be you and me, Rose. Good morning to you.
1: Good morning. He's done a Mick Malloy.
0: Well, he has. I
1: Taking a Friday if, off.
0: I don't know if he will for the same reasons, Rose. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure. Now, we've got so many people coming in on the show that we'll be fine anyway. Lots to get through. The big talking point before we get anywhere, though, is was Cirioli's mark a mark last night? It would have been mark of the year in the Hawks win. Let's have a listen to how it went down on Triple M footy. Brad, a-
2: now back inside. Oh. Oh. Senior, hands on back a little bit, up oh, and sat there
3: for an eternity. <laughs> no, no, no.
4: Eddie Broadbent's gone under for the second one. He'll be in the
2: photo for the week. Oh, he is unbelievable. he
3: Cyril ever paid it? What?
2: Oh. I oh, know. The umpire's seen the replay and said he dropped. You this. can't look at replay. He paid the mark though, Ruth. You can't. I, I, I know you that. can't, but that's what looked to have happened.
0: So according to the Triple M boys, the mark was paid and then the umpire saw the big screen. Give us a call, one triple three five three right now. 13353. Was it a mark by Cyril? It was very much like Gary Ablett Sr. all those years ago on Gary Pert. Hands in the back, but by gee, it was a hanger in the Hawks' big mm-hmm. win. So give us a call, Rosie. I did enjoy it. I and bet from, you did. For my lounge room, it was a mark. <laughs> I'll give you the tip right now. Uh, Sarah Patterson, not far away with three things you need to know on your way to work. We've been listening to some audio of an incident involving a person that was shot in America last night. The Mm. audio itself is confronting Rose. I'm amazed they're showing it on the various networks today. Well, Well, yeah, it's
1: on Facebook. A woman uh, filmed to Facebook Live uh, her boyfriend after he was shot by police. So it's pretty confronting.
0: It is, and on the back of... uh, Another shooting in the US today, Ah, last night. This is certainly going to cause some headlines. So we'll cross the American part of the world about 6.30 to find out exactly what's going on there. The big other story floating around is the banning of greyhounds in New South Wales. We'll get both sides of the story there. Someone believes that this is the right thing to do. Uh, involved with the protection of greyhounds and then those that are involved within the industry themselves and how they feel about this and their livelihood. Sean Higgins from the North Melbourne Football Club is coming in. Clown of the week. A lot of footy to get through. And James Young with his full gig guide as well. This is Mark Howard. and Wayne Carey, maybe. is here, though. Don't worry about that. Uh, right, who have we got on the line? Lauren, the big question of the morning. Was Cyril's marker. mark? What do you think? What do you think?
5: Well, according to my husband, it definitely was.
0: It definitely was. Now, just uh, to get a little bit more analysis out of this, your husband, is he a Hawthorne supporter?
5: A Hawthorne supporter and a Cyril Rioli adorer. (laughs) Well,
0: I'll be completely honest with you, Lauren. I'm uh, in both those camps and I would have paid it left, right, and centre. But uh, I think if someone else had taken the mark, I probably would have liked to be seated as paid as well. Thanks, Lauren. We've got Toby in Germana on the line, dealing with the big issues right off the top here, Rose. Was Cyril's mark a mark? That's it. What do you think, Toby?
3: Yeah, well, his first call was a mark, so that should be a mark. I mean, in cricket, if the umpire gave his uh, batsman out and then saw the replay, he can't change his mind. Once he's out, he's out.
0: So you're of the opinion, Toby, that the umpire paid the mark? That's the way I thought it happened.
3: Yeah, well, it's his, first, it's his first point of call. You can't look up at the big screen to see the replay on every decision. You know what I mean? It's feel to play. Your first instance is a mark, so you play the mark.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, Tobe. The Hawks got the job done, 15-11, 101, Port Adelaide, 12-7-79. So a 22-point win to the Hawks. Here's a bit of a bright spark in our day. Sarah Patterson wanders in. Three things we need to know. Hello, Paddo. Good
6: morning. How are we? We are
0: fantastic. Soggy
6: old Friday. Yeah.
0: Rain, rain, go away. What is the first thing of the three things we need to know, Paddo? What's making the news? Well, that's
6: a nice segue, actually. We'll start with rain. Um, Mm. It is starting to go away in uh, East Gippsland, should ease off today. But uh, overnight, more people have been rescued from those floodwaters down in uh, Gippsland. You would have heard yesterday a farmer on his jet ski came Mm. sweeping past and picked Mm. up a dad and his two daughters. And... Earlier, a man in his 60s was plucked from the roof of his car, which was swept into a paddock. So the SES overnight has used uh, rescue boats to uh, grab more people stuck in their cars overnight. But the good news is those uh, floodwaters should start to recede today, and uh, still got major flood warnings for some of the rivers in East Gippsland. But uh, much less rain, so that's good news.
0: Impressive story that I was uh, watching that fellow on the news, and he'd seen the incident and the and the. The driver was, I think he had a couple of young kids as well, he and he whipped did. home, got the jet ski, which was good forward-thinking, Rose. I'm not sure there's a great, usual, typical need for jet skis out in East Gippsland, and whipped around in a paddock and picked a man up.
6: Yeah, he was a real knight in shining armour, hmm. or a shining jet ski. That's in his right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
0: What else is happening, Pato?
6: Uh Front page of the Herald Sun uh, today. More developments on uh, the discovery of a woman's body in a townhouse at Kew earlier mm. this week. Post-mortem is still being carried out, so... We haven't uh, been told by police yet whether there are suspicious circumstances in her death, but police have launched a, a statewide manhunt for her housemate, and uh, he's a 26-year-old. Um, he has prior convictions, which we which we haven't been uh, haven't been de- detailed at this stage, mm-hmm. but um, that is the latest. It just yeah, seems to happen.
0: Crazy. We, we, we did winter breakfast last year. <laughs> Every morning we'd get in here and someone had seemed to have been shot in Melbourne and <sighs> we were talking a Ruler about it and how it was exploding and mm. the use of uh, guns in this part of the world. It's frightening.
6: Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially after you see what's happened in the, in the States, but also close to home. We have so many stories of uh, doom and gloom, I guess you could say. And
0: or is your third one more positive or you bring <laughs> more doom and gloom? Patty?
6: Depends on whether you think election results are, are positive, but I thought I'd just bring you up yep. to date with what's happening uh, on the election front. So Malcolm Turnbull, he looks like he's on track to get as many as 77 seats now. Um, the vote count is still continuing, but Bob Catter's handed him a little bit of a, an mm. early Christmas present because the independent MP has said to Malcolm, mm. I'll give you my support, but uh, on the condition that I can <laughs> withdraw at any time. Right.
0: So, so, not exactly <laughs> unconditional support from Big Bob.
6: No, not unconditional. But uh, if he does get it, that will mean that, that Turnbull can um, will pass pass the budget. That cat will give him support to do uh, to do that. So that's that's a positive. But also on the other side of things, um, Labor MPs are flying up to Canberra today, where they will give um, well, reendorse Bill Shorten as their leader.
0: A, a ringing re-endorsement or a, a conditional reendorsement
6: might be closer to condition or might not. I wouldn't say it's a ringing re-endorsement, but uh, they're <laughs> saying that they're, they're going to go around again so so Bill can count on their support. And how far
0: around. into the new prime ministerial ship position uh, will Malcolm Turnbull get before he gets his first challenge, you reckon? Pat, <laughs> six weeks, does
6: eight weeks? You have weeks? to wonder where it's going to come from. But, yeah, you would, you would think in a matter of weeks because, I mean, from what we've been reading lately, I mean, people are saying it's just untenable. Can, can he continue in the same vein as he has? Well, uh,
0: not as untenable as Australia having another prime minister mm. that they didn't vote for well, if he does get the job, It's not mm. as if
6: we're not used to it. There's a nice meme going around on Facebook saying only three more Prime Ministers until Christmas. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We're going to shortly cross to America to speak to Channel 9's Robert Penfold to bring us up to date on a second fatal American shooting overnight. This one involves Philander Castile. He was shot dead in Falcon Heights, Minnesota. The school cafeteria worker was allegedly pulling over for a broken taillight and was shot when he reached for his license and vehicle registration. Now, his girlfriend, Lavish Reynolds, was sitting in the passenger seat when the incident happened. She pulled out her phone and started filming exactly what occurred after the shots had taken place and put it up on facebook the audio is well it's a little bit disturbing to say the least so to be completely frank with you it's it's all over the television at the moment But if you've got the kids in the car you might want to turn this down for 30 seconds or so but this is the recording you'll hear two voices the first is lavish reynolds and the second one is the police officer
7: he was trying to get out his id and his wallet out his um pocket and he let the officer know that he was he had a firearm and he was reaching for his wallet And the officer just shot him in his arm. He just shot his arm off. We got pulled over on LARPENER. I told him not to reach for it. I told him to get his hand off it. You told him to get his ID, sir, and his driver's license. Oh my god, please don't tell me he's dead. Please don't tell me my boyfriend just went like that. Keep your hands where they are, please. Yes, I will, sir. I'll keep my hands where they are.
0: Yeah. Robert Penfold will bring us up to date next on exactly what is occurring, the second shooting in the space of 24 hours of a black man by police in the United States of America. Just played some well, some frightening audio from the shooting overnight in the United States of America of Philando Castile. His girlfriend, Lavish Reynolds, started filming what was occurring inside the car um, and it was disturbing to say the least. We've got Robert Penfold on the line to explain what's been happening in the United States as far as police shootings ...in the last 24 hours. Uh, Good evening to you, no doubt, Robert. Uh, Thanks for coming on the line with us. Can you just update us on the two shootings first?
8: Yeah, good morning, Mark. And this is uh, what's happened, of course, and you're speaking particularly about the one that's happened in St Paul in Minnesota. It's quite extraordinary because it has been posted, uh, as you've mentioned there, on Facebook. And it's a live video and it obviously has been, you can imagine, seen by millions probably by now. And uh, actually the governor of uh, Minnesota has just come out himself, Governor Mark Dayton and saying, which is quite an extraordinary thing for him to say at this stage, that it was obviously a racist shooting, because he said, um, would this have happened if the man was white? He says, I don't think it would have. And and that's how, you know, at this stage, the reaction we're getting, and that's from the governor of the state. Of course, he's being asked, well, are you prejudging this? And he said, from what I've seen on the video, not really. I'm just expressing what I've seen and and what I've heard. So... And, of course, as you can imagine, people are now gathering in the streets there as well as a result of that. we had another police shooting only the day before as well, another situation like that. And, uh, of course, these go on all the time and and continually, of course, it turns out to be uh, African-Americans, black Americans and white police officers. Um, Today, uh, we're hearing that the the officer involved was uh, perhaps Asian, but at the same time. The Governor says that he believes it was a racist shooting and it will be investigated, obviously.
0: Yeah, it's a strong statement from the the Governor, especially just having looked at the video and not any investigation opening up. Uh, Robert, coincidentally, I've been watching, I'm not sure if you've seen it, a documentary done by ESPN, uh, Made in America, about O.J. Simpson. And the part I was watching last night was all the way back to the Rodney King beatings. And that video, you know, became linked so tightly to racial problems in the United States of America, the burnings of L.A. I look at this video now that I've just seen this morning and you think to yourself, wow, Rodney King was 20 years ago. Has anything changed?
8: That's right. And, and I think as the government pointed out and as we think ourselves these days, probably nothing has changed in many ways as far as in some police forces over and over again. We've been uh, to various... Uh, certainly in the last two years, I've been to several um, cities where there have been demonstrations again, that is a direct result of white police officers killing black op- black ple- black people. And it's just extraordinary that it continues to go on. Each police uh, force claims that they're retraining their officers, but uh, here we are, two in the last three days. So, uh, as you're saying, it doesn't seem to change, despite the fact that Rodney King happened all those years ago and so many lessons supposedly would have been learned by that.
0: So, Robert, are you expecting... What type of outcry are you expecting from the large black community in the United States of America. Relating back to Rodney King, obviously it was an extreme situation where there was riots and the police didn't go in there immediately. Uh, LA was on fire for an extended period of time. Is there the potential for big flare-ups relating to these two situations? I would imagine there's some very, very angry people.
8: Sure, there's always that potential, and uh, this is why the governors and the mayors, as has happened yesterday, get out very quickly indeed, because uh, they know that if they don't nip this in the bud early on and actually make a statement and say and hand over the investigation uh, to some other force, and in this particular case they're handing over the investigations to the FBI, in other words it's a federal investigation so it won't be police investigating police, We have to make these announcements very quickly or otherwise, uh, as we've learnt in the past, in the very recent past, that cities will start to burn and that's what's happened so recently as well. And uh, today at this stage we are seeing angry demonstrations out in the streets but we're not seeing any violence at this stage and in particular only yesterday. where they were actually making, uh, where they were demonstrating in the streets, they came out and said, we are not going to burn our own city, we are not going to burn our shops, but we are going to make sure that we make our point heard here as well. And uh, this is, seems to be leaders of the African-American community slow, trying to hold things down and trying to keep people cool while the investigation goes on. But I wonder, day after day, as we start hearing about these and seeing these shootings, particularly this one, as we've seen now on Facebook, just how long that they can keep the black community down and whether or not we might actually see violence all over again.
0: Robert, just as we let you go, and we certainly in no way can cast stones because uh, this is a problem throughout the world and it's a massive problem right here in Australia. But taking your reporter's hat off for a moment, just as a man that's lived and worked in the United States or America for a long period of time, as far as black and white and racism in America, and we're talking about America now, as I said, we've got enormous problems in Australia, there's no doubt about that. Is this a situation that comes up frequently? Is it something you see as improving? How do you as a man on the street living in the United States of America see the whole situation
8: it depends very much where you are in the united states in some of the big cities certainly in los angeles on the west coast san francisco and new york um there is not that overt racism but you don't have to dig too deep into the some of the southern states but, um, particularly when they, the white people there feel comfortable with you around because you are white yes it doesn't take long before the racism starts to surface if, if it comes out in a conversation in many of these southern states as well and uh yeah uh it's sadly it's still there despite all what we would have thought would have been done over the years and what a you know what a great reputation america has for welcoming everybody here mm-hmm. but at the same time in certain parts of the united states you will find it and uh, certainly it seems to be very ingrained in, inside many police forces as well as we've experienced over the last year or two
0: Robert, we really appreciate you bringing us up to date on the shootings of Philando Castile and Alton Sterling, both within the last 36 hours in the United States of America. Stay safe, and we appreciate your time.
8: Okay, Mark. Nice to speak to you. Nice to speak to
0: Robert Penfold. (laughs) A lot of overnight sport live at the moment. France lead Germany 2-0. In the 80th minute in the Euro semi final. So it looks like it will be France. That's a big win over Germany. They wouldn't have beaten Germany in a major final for 50 or 60, maybe 40 or 50 years, I wouldn't have thought. Seriously? No, nah, they. That uh, long. Well, the Germans just turn up rows and win 1 0 or go to penalties, which is what I. Told you I thought would happen tonight, huh? but it certainly hasn't. So that will mean France, unless Germany score three in the next 10 minutes, will play Portugal, led by Cristiano Ronaldo, mm. in the final mm. in France, which will be exciting. Uh, to more local sport, and the Hawks have tightened their grip on top spot following a 22-point win over Port Adelaide overnight, and orbit ended the power's final hopes. The Hawks led by 36 after a big third term. Ultimately, it proved too much, despite the power making a late charge with three quick goals to reduce the margin to just 17 points. Brad Hill kicked a goal after the siren to seal the win 15-11-101 to 12-7-79. Jordan Lewis had 25 disposals, two assists and nine marks. And Surioli, who had the mark of the year taken off him, apparently after the umpire looked at the big screen, finished with three goals from 18 touches. Alistair Clarkson was thrilled to overcome his side's recent Achilles heel away from homes, sending a strong message to the rest of the competition that despite getting on a bit, the Hawks are as strong as ever as they search for their elusive fourth straight flag.
9: I was pointed to the footy community. Port Adelaide, Hawthorne, and the whole footy world were a much better club than what we've performed at against Port Adelaide in the past. And um, we needed to put everyone on notice that we weren't going to come here and lie down and uh, we weren't going to be ambushed.
0: Strong statements from Alistair Clarkson and maybe people will start to look at the Hawks now in a different light. And Remarkably, as Duck tipped Port Adelaide yesterday, but the Hawks on a roll now. Two games clear until the rest of the round continues. Post-match, Ken Hinckley was upbeat about his side. However, it was a very physical affair. Brad Ebert appeared in genuine trouble after he was coughing up blood following a heavy fall in the opening term and was taken to the Royal Adelaide Hospital. However, after the match, Hinckley said he thought Ebert would be right for next week's big clash against North Melbourne. I think he's just got um, bruised ribs, um, so he, he was coughing up a bit, of, um, a bit of blood, so the precaution was to, to make sure he's OK first and foremost. Took him off the hospital, but the, re- the report
10: I've got back just now is that Brad's, Brad's going to be OK, he'll be fine. You know, in fact, with the, what have we got, eight, nine-day break, whatever it might be, I suspect he's probably a real chance to play.
0: Coughing up blood, and he'll be right to play in nine games. They're tough, tough boys, Rosie. <laughs> Very much tougher that. than I am. I'm coughing up blood. I'm not seen for six months, Rosie. Tougher than Wayne Carey,
1: you. who's off with a little bit of a cold today. Well, no, he's
0: got. He's got a serious, slight tickle in his throat, and that's what's kept him out of turning <laughs> Come up. On. Uh, tennis, uh, Rosie, we were hoping, you and I, for Serena versus Venus in the Wimbledon final. Always the dream. Not happening. Oh. Angelique Kerber set up an Aussie Open rematch at Wimbledon, which Kerber won, ended the hopes of a 10th All-Williams final after downing Venus Williams in straight sets. Extreme. But Serena, wow, put in a massive, massively convincing performance against Russian Elena Viznina. Dropped only two games.
1: Was it over in 38 minutes it or It was over
0: very sharpish. I reckon, I was watching a bit of it, I reckon Serena lost less than five points on her serve. So she did dominate. However, Williams says she won't be satisfied. She aims to break one record in front of her, Australia's Margaret Court's record of 24 major singles titles. <laughs> so Serena, can we hear from Serena or not? Sure. Well, let's hear from her.
7: Well, I would like to see um, people, the public, the press... And uh, other other um, athletes in general, just realize that and respect women for who they are and what we are, and what we do. And I've been working at this since I was three years old, and actually maybe younger, because I have a picture where I'm on I'm in a stroller, and I think Venus is actually pushing me, and we're on the tennis court. So basically, my whole life I've been doing this, and. And I haven't had a life and I don't think I would deserve to be paid less because of my sex or anyone else for that matter.
0: Yeah, she was questioned about equal pay. We'll play another grab a little bit later on the show relating to the old chestnut about should the women get paid as much as the men for mine, Rosie, Serena Williams, and we'll discuss equal play later. Mm. I've always thought and am becoming stronger in the thought that she is the dominant athlete of my generation.
1: That's probably a very fair comment.
0: And there's some superstars out there and you look at Lance Armstrong and obviously what happened to him in the end, Usain Bolton, athletics is extraordinary. Kelly Slater still surfing at the moment. He's got 11 world titles under his belt. But she just dominates her sport and has been at the top level now for over 20 years. She's a phenomenon.
1: And no clear sort of person to come up and and take that from her at this point either.
0: No, absolutely. Talking about surfing, Jay Bass smoking. It was pumping last night, Rose. How's these blokes? They go there and you have to surf with one other person in the water. what a gig. Five Australians, including Joel Parkinson, have advanced to the third round of the World Surf League event in South Africa. As you would know, Rosie, Matt Wilkinson, the surprise ratings leader of the Aussie, he got beat in the first round and he only just squeaked through in the second round, getting past the local J-Bay native Stephen Sawyer's two-wave total by half a point. Come on, Wilco. Come on, Wilco. If you want to win the world title, you need to get a move on. He is leading <laughs> at the moment, needs to continue along. Shock waves across Australia last night after Mark, Mark, Mike Baird The Premier of New South Wales said greyhound racing will be banned in New South Wales from next year after a chilling report by Commissioner McHugh found overwhelming evidence of systematic animal cruelty. The ACT said it would follow New South Wales' lead, while the West Australia, South Australian and Queensland governments backed their sports to continue. The government will shut down the New South Wales industry, which employs up to 1,000 people in an orderly fashion, with a complete ban to come into effect on July the first, 2017. A man that has been heavily involved in this industry, and over the next 20 minutes, we're going to try and bring you both sides of the story, is a gentleman by the name of Bob Whitelaw. He's part of the... Greyhound Training Association and a greyhound trainer from New South Wales hasn't been in the industry for has been in the industry for 40 years hasn't raced for five years but he's been educating people about about greyhounds. Bob joins us now. Good day, Bob. Good
3: morning. How are you?
0: Yeah, listen, great to speak to you. There's obviously two very passionate sides to this story. What was your initial thoughts after a man that's been heavily involved in the industry for over 40 years when you heard Mike Baird shutting down the industry in New South Wales?
3: Absolutely gutted, mate, and not only me, but you know. Majority of the industry has felt that way. Why? Well, you know, we've we've gone along with the process of the reform, which you know, when the live baiting issue was uh, come come to a head. Now the reform has been remarkable in in that area. To ignore that, which the premier has done with the help of uh, Troy Grant, the racing minister, they've ignored that, and you know, and this is why we've got the result. They've bowed to the pressure of uh, you know the animal livers we're a soft target always have been the greyhound industry so I don't think you'd get the same response if it was for thoroughbred
0: Like any group I guess Bob some people do the right thing and some people do the wrong thing I can only presume in your sport the vast majority of people do the right thing but those that have done the wrong thing it, it was so shocking and the pictures Bob I guess therefore your industry all the people doing the right thing have been tarred with the same brush
3: Oh, look, 100% totally agree with you. You know, like, but that's in any sport. You've only got to look at the, the controversy in rugby league, you know, and the animal live export type thing that people, you know, involved in, you know, but you know, any sport, you know, there's always going to be corruption no matter what it is, you know, and unfortunately, like I said, we're a soft target, and, you know, it was easy to, to, to bring the, the curtain down on us for the government.
0: What does this mean to you personally and financially, Bob?
3: sends me to the wall. I'm 66 years of age.
0: Right. I've, I've
3: got nowhere to go now. I've got three people that I employed, three people that, uh, you know, generally that uh, wouldn't, they're young people. I'm talking about people that are 19 and in their early 20s and where where we are in the hunter, you know, you've got 25% youth unemployment. All these people are going to have to join the queue and their, and their work skills outside the greyhound industry probably wouldn't. Get him a position anywhere else in uh, in the Hutter.
0: We're speaking to Bob Whitelaw, a greyhound trainer from New South Wales, who's been in the industry for over 40 years. Again, your own personal situation, Bob. I presume, even though you've been out for five years educating people about greyhounds, I presume you do have a litter of pups at the moment. And, and what what happens to those pups now and their value?
3: Well, the value of them is, is virtually zilch. You know, like uh, yeah, probably before this decision, you'd probably look at probably 20 th- Thousand dollars for the pups, the nine pups, but at the moment there was nothing. Maybe the, uh, the 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 activist groups like the Friends of the Hounds and that, you know Well, maybe they might be able to find homes for I don't know. The organisations like that too. Once the industry shut down, well, these people that uh, the, the the Greyhound Rescue, the uh, the um, the Greyhound uh, adoption program, well, it falls over because there'll be no
0: dogs. Some of the report is obviously disturbing, for want of a better term, Bob, and it's, it's going to be a very difficult situation for you a lot of people now. How do you respond to parts of the report saying that between forty-eight and 68,000 greyhounds were killed in the past 12 years because they were deemed uncompetitive? Now, whether that's a hysterical fact, but that's what people that are not involved in the greyhound industry, that's the type of thing they're going to pick up on, and the average punter on the street that's not involved at all is probably going to say, Wow.
3: Oh, look, you can ask the same question of the thoroughbred industry. Yep. You don't hear the, the statistics are coming from them. You know, look, I buy my meat from, from a Sydney firm. It comes from an acre where horses, are, you know, that are put down, or that, that are not quick enough, and that meat is turned into meat where, unfortunately for them, you know, well, fortunate for us is that that meat's used to feed our greyhounds, you know? So, you know, let, let's let's draw a line in the sand and look at look at the the real figures of it, but they haven't done that. Because like I said before, we're a soft target and naturally we're easy to uh, to attack.
0: All right, Bob, listen, we appreciate you jumping on the line. It's obviously a very passionate issue for you and it goes to the core of your own life and a lot of, as you said, young people around you. Best of luck moving forward and we appreciate you jumping on the line.
3: Yep, well, the industry, I know, is not going to lay down and accept it's, uh, you know, the fight has just begun, I suppose you could say. Well,
0: in further to that point, just as we let you go, do you expect this to be appealed through the proper processes? Do you ever expect yep. there to be greyhound racing in New South Wales again at some point moving forward? Yep, certainly do. Okay, thanks for your time, Bob. We'll get the other side of the story after the 7 o'clock news. Duck has got a little tickle on his throat, which has made him not up for selection this morning, Rosie. No, incapable of Hmm. speaking. One of the hardest men in the history of football. Clearly. Uh, I did say <laughs> it's five past seven. I may have said uh, earlier on at uh, two minutes to seven, it was two minutes to eight, which has caused some consternation what with people you? trying to get up and get to work.
1: Oh, Luke Darcy does that all the time on hot breakfast. So <laughs> at least is. people
0: are feeling comfortable. It is six after seven. Rose, I came in this morning. I said, let's watch Euro together. Yes. Germany taking on France in the semi-finals over there. The winner will play Portugal. And I said, this is what Germany do. They'll either Rosie win one nil mm-hmm. or they'll win on penalties. They Neither. didn't. They got smoked. 2 2-0 by France. A pretty big upset, really, as far as Germany in the finals A big-name competitions. Big live site set up at the Eiffel Tower. Beautiful location. Yeah, what a place for all those that couldn't get tickets. This is the reaction to thousands upon thousands of French people and maybe the odd German <laughs> when France put the first goal into the back of the net. Fantastic. Yeah, what a wonderful place to be uh, at the moment to see all that go down, especially with the Tour de France over in that part of the world at the moment. Just an update as well, Serena Williams. We'll play a little bit of Serena later on. Got through after dropping only two games, was asked questions about equal pay in women's tennis and came back with some pretty sharp answers. We'll Mm. get to that as well. But next, we'll continue the debate about Greyhound Racing Band in New South Wales by their Premier, Mike Baird. Next, we'll hear from Lynn White, the Campaign Director of Animals Australia, who, as you pointed out to me, Rose, was heavily involved. In that documentary, Making of a Killing on Four Corners, which really kicked this whole thing off.
1: It was. It showed some awful footage, and uh, I think they're pretty happy with their result yesterday with uh, the ban in New South Wales and ACT.
0: That's right. We'll hear from Lynn next, as well as Bernie Carroll and the chairman of Greyhound at Racing Victoria. Greyhound racing will be banned in New South Wales after Commissioner McHugh's report pointed out all sorts of problems with the sport. Mike Baird uh, saying last night that come 2017, there'll be no longer greyhound racing in New South Wales. Our first guest, we already just spoke to a trainer who was shattered and was talking about the valuation of his business and that's all he knew and that's all he'd done and he didn't know where to go forward from here. We now have on the line Lynn White from Animals Australia who was involved in, well, A magnificent is a strange word to use it, but it was a magnificent documentary on Four Corners, Making a Killing. Magnificent in the fact that it highlighted and really shone the spotlight on what had been happening by a small group of people within the industry. Lynn joins us now. Hello, Lynn.
5: Good morning, Mark.
0: Lovely to speak to you. What were your thoughts when you heard Mike uh, Mike Baird banning Greyhound Racing in New South Wales come next year?
5: Well, I was astonished, to be honest, but having now read the... Um, conclusions of the special inquiry um, and the recommendations, it's no wonder. I mean, Mike um, Baird used the term chilling, confronting and horrific when it it came to reading the conclusions. And it's certainly, that is the case. It's absolutely damning. And uh, I think equally damning is that the Commission found after looking at the industry in depth that there was no chances of short or medium term reform.
0: Lynne, how did you feel when you were going and being involved in the making of the Four Corners documentary, which I said, as I said, really hot, which is the, the the role of Four Corners to highlight these issues within our community. How did you feel when you were putting it together and you were seeing what you were seeing, especially on those cameras, those hidden cameras you guys were employing?
5: Look, I think it's a couple of things. One is um, having been an animal cruelty investigator for over a decade, it was some of the absolute worst cruelty in terms of terrifying and traumatizing defenseless animals. But equally disturbing was the behavior of the people present. You know, we had grandfathers, um, mothers, fathers, children there that were dispassionately watching um, what was occurring. And that spoke to me about the endemic cultural problem that you can lead to such an acceptance of cruelty. And I think that starts with an industry that has long accepted the deaths of healthy dogs. If you start At that point um, killing healthy gentle greyhounds then it's a slippery slope and that to me is why this industry has um, presented such a a concern and even a societal risk because we also know that leading trainers have been involved in using um, amphetamines, ice, cocaine to drug their dogs so this prospect of a winning purse unfortunately has somehow managed to distort core human values and and I think that is a, a you know Uh, a reason in itself why the government in new south wales has acted as it has
0: lynn you use the word endemic obviously we were speaking to bob whitelaw a a man that's been involved in greyhound training in new south wales for over 40 years uh before the seven o'clock news and he he was a devastated man he was very passionate he was pointing out what about all the people that do the right thing within the greyhound racing industry is this a case that It's a very small minority and therefore the entire industry is getting tarred with the same brush or is it a bigger problem than we still appreciate, do you think?
5: Look, it's it's definitely a bigger problem. I mean, the commission itself, through admissions from trainers, found that one in five trainers, so 20% were live baiting And and if they're admitting that level, I promise you that the levels were higher. Our investigations across three states showed it to be completely accepted as a method of training and those that weren't participating in it knew about it. And so I think that also speaks to um, uh, a culture of protecting the industry. One of the other findings from the Commission report is that greyhound racing officials themselves were covering up um, injuries and deaths on tracks to protect the industry. So yes, there's people out there that love their greyhounds. but. This is an industry in itself that has, um, throughout the years, just killed tens of thousands of greyhounds. It's also had live baiting. And that's been just part of how the industry has operated. So in the end, it's no wonder that the government has felt that it has to step in.
0: Thanks, Lynne. We really appreciate your time and your point of view.
5: Thanks, Mark. Cheers.
0: It was Lynn White from Animals Australia. We'll now speak, as I said, we spoke to Bob Whitelaw, a greyhound trainer from New South Wales, to respond to some of those comments and his thoughts on the situation. It's our pleasure to welcome to the Winter Breakfast, Bernie Carroll and the chairman of Greyhound Racing Victoria. Good morning, Bern.
4: Good morning, Mark, and uh, thanks for the opportunity to speak to your, uh, your listeners.
0: No worries. What did you think when you heard Mike Baird's comments about racing in New South Wales last night?
4: Well, look, we were very surprised with the decision, but I guess I'd prefer to focus on, on what we see, we see as the Victorian situation. I haven't had a chance to read the report as yet. Uh, I will do it as soon as I can, but I, I haven't had that opportunity yet. and I, I'd prefer to focus on what we've been trying to do in the in the 12 months or 15 months since uh, since some of these uh, historic practices came to life. Which is Bernie? well in victoria at least we we've really tried to adopt the challenge of reforming an industry and and I have to say that the participants in the industry have embraced that that reform program uh, Obviously, there might be a few um, a few people that are not so keen on reform somewhere in the industry, but the great majority of the participants uh are honest, hard working people who absolutely love their dogs uh and have worked incredibly hard and, and still work incredibly hard to uh to produce those dogs as the most athletic uh, animals they can.
0: Well, speaking to Bernie um, G- uh, Carolyn, the chairman of Greyhound Racing Victoria, are you, concerned, and, and, uh, Bern, are you concerned about the future of the sport in Victoria? We've seen uh, that the ACT said it would follow New South Wales lead while West Australian, South Australian and Queensland governments backed their sports to continue. Are you concerned about your own industry within Victoria?
4: Oh, well, well, we're both concerned and grateful, all in one, Mark. We've had both the government and the opposition uh, give us fairly strong statements of support for continuation, provided the reform program continues, obviously. Yep. Um, but at the same time, there will be challenges that arise from the New South Wales decision, undoubtedly. And we will certainly have a lot of nervous uh, Greyhound owners and trainers out there who who uh, who think that they are being unfairly um, maligned, if you like, as a group yeah. Uh, on the basis of actions of a few and, and we really surely, support sure,
0: through that. Uh, uh, Bernie surely those actions of a few now the entire industry that are doing the right thing surely now they see their future and think wow this has happened in New South Wales we really don't want this to happen here so if I know of a rogue operator etc for want of a better term surely the industry itself and the participants in the industry that love these dogs and love the sport surely they they'd crack down themselves on these rogue elements.
4: Well w- one would certainly hope so Mark and in Victoria, yeah. at least, we think uh, that has probably happened quite a lot already, and we certainly hope that it, you know if this is uh, the last impetus for, for anyone else to crack down on their peers, that that'd be a good yeah. outcome. But the other thing to mention, Mark, is that it's you know three three thousand jobs or thereabouts mm. uh, involved in greyhound racing, and it has. Uh, you know, 300 million turnover in Victoria. It, it's a substantial industry and in particular, it's most of those jobs are in regional Victoria and, and many of the participants uh, have had um, long family history in the industry. It's a really uh, serious decision to take away the chance for that industry to reform itself.
0: My word and, it is, Bernie, and, listen... And that's, uh, so that's the
4: way we're looking at it.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a divisive issue. We appreciate your point of view. Obviously, some people feel for the dogs as well as that uh, other people feel for those that are going to have their livelihood ripped away from them. So hopefully it all works out. It can be cleaned up uh, even further, as you said, the path you're going down, and it may continue uh, in a well-supervised we, way, Bernie.
4: We'd like nothing more than to talk to you in another six or 12 months, Mark, and, uh, and be talking... Uh, about an an industry that that has a future uh, and understands its own future. So hopefully that's what we can aspire to.
0: Good on you, Bernie. We appreciate your time and your point of view. Thank you, Mark. It was Bernie Carroll and the chairman of Greyhound Racing Victoria. Our next guest has steered Duck and I through the last two weeks and really increased our knowledge of the world of politics. His name is David Spears. He's the Sky News political editor and the anchor of PM Agenda on Sky News Live. Morning, Spearsy. Sounding a bit lonely there this morning, mate. Well, I am, and I've been going through all the big issues. But my man, the duck, he's got an election <laughs> hangover, and he, well, some type of hangover <laughs> busy. Uh, now yes. it seems, it seems finally that we're getting some clarity with the election process.
11: Yeah, I think you can say it's almost certain that uh, Turnbull is back. He's returned. We're still waiting on a few seats to come in, but and that'll probably take another week before we get the final numbers. But he'll get there, whether he has to rely on Bob Catter. <laughs> Uh, to to keep them in government or not, I reckon probably more likely he won't have to rely on anyone. They'll just get enough numbers to be a government in their own right.
0: So therefore, Spearsy, now we're going to look back on the last week and people say for the last four or five days, Bill Shorten has come out, he's been prevalent in the media, he's been strong Mm. in the media, he's been prime ministerial in the media, whereas our prime minister, we haven't heard much from him. Should he have jumped on the front foot earlier?
11: Yes, he should have. Uh, Anyone would think Bill Shorten won this election. Yes, that's exactly right. Exactly. He's been on a victory lap. He's been uh, in in Western Sydney, Brisbane, Tasmania, Perth, going to all the places where they did well and saying thanks, everyone, and looking, as you say, very prime ministerial. Look, Turnbull, uh, rightly, has been focused on making sure he can form government. He's been meeting Bob Catter. He's been meeting Nick Xenophon, all behind closed doors, Uh, but I I agree with you. I think he's got to get out there, look a bit more confident in charge, remind people who won the election, who's actually running the country.
0: Are we going to see the Prime Minister come out? And I I was talking to someone else about this the other day, Spearsy, and uh, we do focus on sport a lot, especially in my life. And I I went back to a time where Steve Waugh had his nose broken by Jason Gillespie in Sri Lanka when he'd just taken over the Australian captaincy. There is a link here. They'd been rolled. uh, They hadn't had a good result in the West Indies. And Steve Waugh came out and said, listen, I was lying in hospital and I was thinking I've been taking advice from all these people around me and I've been ignoring my own instincts and the way I want to lead. Are we going to see something like this? we Are going to see a light bulb moment from Malcolm Turnbull who came into the position? We all thought this guy's going to be a leader. He's going to be fantastic and we possibly haven't seen that.
11: Well, and this is one of his great problems. All that goodwill when he took the job nine months ago has, has fast evaporated. Look, you'd like to think you'd see that moment. I don't know if we will. I think he's really going to be hamstrung in this parliament because it's so narrow. He's just clinging on to power now. He's got to keep all these crossbenchers happy, the likes of Xenophon, Bob Catter, not to mention Pauline Hanson, Darren Hinch, Jackie Lambie, Uh, plus keep all of his own troops on board. Think Tony Abbott and all the conservatives around him. So he's got to be really careful watching his back being very cautious on the policy front. Labor, we've seen Bill Shorten, they're not going to give him a, give him an inch. No. They're going to keep the, keep the hammer on every day. So it's not going to be easy for him at all.
0: We move from analysis, which you're wonderful at, to guesswork, which I don't like to put you in that position. <laughs> but I'm going to, Spearsy, Will he see out the full term of his uh, elected period of time, the Look, current I'll, Prime Minister? Yeah,
11: I'll, I'll, I'll chance my arm and say yes. Uh, I know a lot of people disagree. Everyone seems to think he won't make it five minutes, but... Uh, Here's why. I think voters are sick to the back teeth of changing prime ministers. Uh, You you know, you talk to anyone on the street, this comes through loud and clear. For that reason, I think the Liberals have got to stick with him. And if it is just a very narrow margin they've got in holding power, uh, look, that that means they've got to try and stay unified. So I would actually think, yes, he does have a good chance of, of staying on.
0: When we hear the term, which we've had heard from Rudd and Gillard and Turnbull, that I'm doing this move, I'm getting rid of the incumbent Prime Minister for the good of the party, <laughs> should I believe that, Spearsy, or do I need to keep coming back to the fact they may also be doing it for the good of themselves?
11: Look, there's no doubt when parties change the leader, they're all doing it to save their own bums. They worry about losing their own seats and their own jobs. So that's why they make changes when they do but yes it is about themselves very much as well, whether that 's you know a promotion that they might be getting into the ministry or indeed if they 're the one taking over as leader a long held dream to finally you know, claim the uh, grab the crown so mm. there 's a lot of self interest in it as well but I guess you know you can argue that they're also trying to keep the, the party they represent in
0: power. Just as we let you go, it looks like uh, for those that enjoy females in the main role, which I think more female prime ministers, presidents, etc., I think they, they, the female population is a generalisation, Spearsy, You've got a wonderful yep. ability to negotiate through conflict. It looks like we're going to get a, another female prime minister of Britain following on from Margaret Thatcher because the two names up are both female.
11: That's right, and they're down to the last two, both women. Theresa May is most likely to get it. She's the Home Secretary. You'll get to know and see a lot more of her, I would imagine, over the months and years ahead.
0: David, I want to thank you from the bottom of my non-political heart by getting us through the (laughs) last two weeks. Anytime. Rosie, this morning we've dealt with the political issues. Yes. We've dealt with the Greyhound ban. We have. We've dealt with racial shootings in America. Big. This is all without duck, so never has a man been happier than I when Sean Higgins wanders into the studio, which he thinks is for 15 minutes, but it's actually for an hour and 18 minutes to get us through to nine o'clock. Good morning, Heath. Great to see you.
10: Morning, Howie. How are you?
0: Yeah, You've been listening on the way in. Um, surely, when you heard me by myself, you thought, well, I might be called in for a couple of extra segments here because Howie's battling a bit.
10: Yeah, now full time, so thanks to the duck, I've got, I've got a job for a, That's a right. day. That's right,
0: and you've got the duck's wage for a day, which is probably more than you pull out of the Bulldogs, <laughs> Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, mate, great to have you in. Firstly, the injury. We were just talking about it now. I was calling you that night. It was against the Saints, yeah? yeah? it was, yeah. You went down with a knee, and we all thought the worst, and then you came back out on the ground, and we thought the best.
10: Yeah, probably similar to you guys. I initially thought that um, I did something to my kneecap and potentially dislocated that, and by the time I got off the ground, things were moving okay. We did all the the tests that they do in terms of the structure of the knee, the ligaments, to actually check the meniscus, and pain-wise, I was okay, and decided it was uh it was fine to go back on by that night and that day things started to get a little bit uh worse and then scans the next day showed that full rupture of the meniscus
0: how do you feel when you get that news because you're a professional footballer this is what you love this is what you do for a job and you've been in career best form since you moved to the kangaroos and congratulations for that when they tell you he's going to be on for a, a spell on the sidelines which you are familiar with unfortunately how does it hit you initially
10: oh initially it's probably like any play it's um disappointment and frustration But for me, it only really lasted a day or so because uh, the plan straight away was, okay, how do we get back for finals? And we will probably touch and go initially, depending on what the surgeon said. And uh, a day later, you're you're laying in hospital and you're getting operated on that night and you come back and it's, to be honest, it's from the get-go, it's okay, let's try and pinch a day here, a day there and, and get back as fast as possible. Unfortunately, the first six weeks of this rehab was slightly different to other ones I've had and... Um, it was really low key and you had to do the right thing in the brace and, and give it full time in that first six weeks to heal. I'm through that now and into the, the back half of the rehab and feeling really good. So looking forward to getting back in the um, latter part of the season.
0: How many ops would you have had in your life playing footy here? <laughs>
10: Uh, I think this was nine or ten.
0: It's funny, isn't it? Because I had to go and see the great Doc White who works with us just about, I'd, I'd done something in my shoulder and I was just praying that I wasn't going to have to go under the knife. And as an average person, having to go to the hospital and have an operation, it's a major thing. It's all the dramas involved and the pain and the cost. We read in the paper, you know, Sean Higgins has had an operation here, there, and we don't think too much about it.
10: Yeah, it's uh, unfortunately part and parcel, yeah. isn't it? I think the, when you're young, the first couple, it, it hits you a little bit, but... Um, yeah, like you said, unfortunately, um, most players, you know, you get the odd clean up here and they ought a clean up in the knee in the NAB Cup and just came back and played two mm. weeks later. You don't really think about it. But well,
0: what about when they tell you, right, end of the season, you're about to start your holidays, Sean, go and have an operation? Yeah, that's not
10: ideal. <laughs> no, the boys aren't happy with that when you plan the holiday and you usually um, sort of got the, the inkling whether you're going to need surgery or not. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not it's not great when the, the holiday plans get thrown into chaos and you, you're either going overseas or on holidays in a brace or a sling. Mm. But like I said, part and parcel of the, the footy, unfortunately.
0: A lot of people talk at your footy club and speaking to James Brayshaw, we don't hear from this man in the media, but uh, Sanders, Steve Sanders. The man Saunders, uh, Saunders Steve, Steve yep. Saunders, the man in charge of the body of the football, for one of yep. a better term, at the North Melbourne Footy Club, Stevie Saunders, and everyone just talks about the fact that he's just amazing. At what he does, and no reflection on the way you, you were looked after at the Bulldogs by Zimmer and the boys from yep. Jake that do a wonderful job. But yep. what is so special about this man?
10: I think, um, like you said, all footy clubs are really good in this area. And one thing that um, really drew me to going to North Melbourne was the availability of facilities, but also personnel to put a program in place that they were confident they could bring out my best footy. And I think Jared Waite was probably similar. Spot on. Um, the inju- injury prevention program that they run, uh, I think is second to none. And, Has, and he first. Has he got magic hands? I'm not sure about hands, the magic he- hands, but there's a lot of time. There's a lot of time spent um, with players, like I said, um, performing injury prevention on a daily basis um, and just tailored programs individually that um, give all our players a really good opportunity to, to A, train well, but then B, perform
0: you're going to stick around. By gee, you're going to stick around, my well, you friend. Mate, You've yep. got no choice. We need to discuss <laughs> Lin Jong with you. And then I want to get away from footy. You're recently married and find out what the life of an AFL footballer is away from the footy ground. got Sean Higgins here. I'm starting to laugh here because I've just remembered back. Um, to, and Now, you need to confirm this is whether you or not. Have you ever played golf at the, the Bowenheads Golf Course? I have, yeah. You have. I was a long time ago when yeah. you were a bit younger oh, and a bit I do like where this is going, Well, is I, I do believe I was driving along there uh, heading for a surf, and I saw some of the Bulldogs boys up on that high tee Yeah, where you yeah. Did you or did you not give me a cork out over the highway?
10: <laughs> Potentially, mate. <laughs> Potentially. It could have been you. It could have been, yeah. If it wasn't
0: you, it was one of your teammates. <laughs> uh, now, Hig, the big story revolving around footy this week, your former club uh, has a wonderful player there called Lin Jong, um, and you don't need to wade too much into this, but... You're a footballer, so I'm interested in your point of view. If it came out that it doesn't matter who the player is, uh, Jamie McMillan had toured a, uh, the Essendon Footy Club uh, during the season. How would it make you feel as a player?
10: Yeah, it's an interesting one it because um, all players that are out of contract and, um, you know, it's it's such a tough industry these days in business that you do have to make sure that your own backyard is looked after and... Um, for a 23, 24 year old it can it can easily come to an end really quickly and you're yeah. not sure where that next contract is coming from. Having said that, I think from a player's point of or from my point of view, that, that's what you employ and pay your manager to do and there's certain ways to go about it and um like I said, I'm all for players making sure that uh, their future is secure and uh, they're given the best opportunity to, to live out their dream and play AFL football. Um, but personally I would and have done, I've left that up to my manager.
0: So if, if your manager said, listen, he, there's a potential to move to this club, we want you to come and do a tour, wouldn't do it? Uh,
10: for me personally, in the middle of the year, probably not because, um, it's not, it wouldn't be based on facilities for me. It would be based on what's best for my football and, uh, what's best for me personally, uh, and the opportunity that I've got. So, um, after the season, go for it from my point of view, but, um, yeah, leave it at that.
0: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good answer. Uh, all right, Shawnee, what's going on with the kangaroos? Flying along on top of the ladder. The last month's been pretty tough. You've got uh, West Coast over in Perth, and as you just said to me, there's no easy games now in the AFL. Everything is so competitive. You're five percent off. You lose a game of footy.
10: Yeah, you're right, and it's a it's a long journey there at the moment. And we had a really good start to the year, and Ten and Zip set you up, um, you know, better than it better than anything you can do. And the last month probably hasn't gone to plan in terms of a win loss, but. We still feel like we've been in all those games and uh, the season's so tight these days. You only need to be a couple percent off in a certain quarter or game and the result goes against you. And like I said, we're, we've we been in all of those games and if not all of them, yeah. um, close to all of them, we've been up at half time. And uh, a couple of things gone against us, probably haven't played um, as good a footy as we would have liked. And, and we've dropped a few of those games in the last month Been a really big challenge this week to go over to West Coast. On their home ground and uh, get back on the winner's board. It's important for us this week to to have a win and, and more importantly to get back playing the sort of footy that saw us win 10 straight.
0: The Kangaroos are more fun to watch and more fun to call when you're playing when you're back.
10: Uh, hopefully get two or three games in before the end of the season. So that's, that's the plan and everything going so well.
0: Now, November, you got married. Yes. Congratulations. Thank Always you. Always a beautiful moment in any person's life. Uh, tell me about your beautiful wife, where you got married, etc.?
10: Yeah, we got married last November. It was the the deck at uh circa. Mm, it very was nice. a, yeah, really good day and, and really good night and a lot of family and friends there and um yeah, everything everything went to plan and she turned up, which is a bonus. But um
0: How did you feel when you first saw her in her dress, Shawnee?
10: Well, not as emotional as she was because <laughs> she <laughs> she was losing it, walking it, uh walking down the aisle but uh yeah, really, really special time, like I said, to have Mates and brothers in the wedding party and all close family and friends. There was, uh, was a special day and, um, yeah, we had a, we had a good night.
0: Where'd you first meet? I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, but I love a good love story. Yeah.
10: Well, we both originate from Geelong, but, um, different years apart in, in school. And I didn't know Heidi while I was in Geelong and went back one weekend and, uh, met then. So long time ago now was that, uh, probably been together for eight or nine years.
0: Were you like, hey, I'm Sean Higgins and I play football? Is that the type of way you roll it, or how No, it I don't. I don't.
10: She'd probably say that I was the one that harassed her for a little okay. bit too. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's about as much as. Duck we're was going to telling it, us
0: about. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> Duck was telling us about a mate yesterday who's big on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, as well as being big on Twitter, he's big on Tinder, uh, and it's not <laughs> working out for him. And he's currently averaging—I'm uh, glad you're sitting down here—twenty
10: dates a week. On that's just too I, I couldn't handle
0: that <laughs> are the young blokes in the footy club do they delve in? that or not
10: like I said I've had a a girlfriend and a wife now for too long and missed all of that but um I don't think it's I, a bad thing to miss yeah here. I don't think so either it's uh Mate, you need a PA just to organise your Tinder life.
0: <laughs> oh, 20 dates a week! As I said yesterday, imagine the small talk. Yeah, no, nah, too much. Tell too me a little much. bit about yourself. Twenty straight yeah, times, as yeah. well as all you'd the have restaurants you just roll out. <laughs> what will you do when you wind up from playing footy in fifteen years? When you've won three premierships with the North Melbourne Kangaroos, what would you like to do? Yeah, What's that'd like be nice,
10: do? wouldn't it? Oh, look, I'd love to stay involved in in footy somehow, and um, I love the game. Got a passion for the game, probably outside of playing as well, and um, a small couple of things on the side with my management group as well with um bruce Cater at one management that we'll continue to work on and yeah a couple of different interests but um yeah hopefully it's a few years down the track but whatever i do like i said i'd love to still stay involved with footy
0: we spoke to bruce earlier on the week how do you think he's going after signing up delhi to a 50 million dollar deal
10: yeah a couple of really good clients in there and i'll just get pushed back (laughs) to the the scrap heap with with that um, yeah exactly no no they're really good in there and um great with organizing your your life after footy and like I said we're working on a couple of things now so it's uh, yeah it's exciting
0: I think the whole AFL world enjoys watching you play and especially when you're in such good form hopefully you get back out there soon we appreciate you coming and saving we, us without the duck yeah, how would you anytime if, well, if duck was a teammate of yours and he didn't turn up on a diet today would you have a oh, word the duck, to
10: you just let the duck do the duck thing oh, you wouldn't you say that. <laughs> that's
0: what everyone says that's why the duck gets away with these things uh, he was sure he well, goes, you can pull him up oh yeah good luck with that
10: Clowny. Clown. Clown, is clown,
0: of
8: the clown. clown of the week. <laughs> clown of the week.
10: have been clown. Mick Malloy's Clown of the Week. Clown, clown up,
8: dudes. TGI Fridays. Great food, great drinks, great fun. Ooh,
10: what a clown.
0: Winter breakfast, Triple M, Mark Howard, and an absent Wayne Carey who had a little tickle in his throat, Rosie. Seven after eight, heading to a top of 15 degrees. So the obvious one we would have to start the Clown of the Week. Yes. Is our man, Duck, makes a 10-day commitment to turn up and do breakfast radio. Does Admittedly, About nine. Well, uh, admittedly, uh, this morning he was going to be doing it out of Adelaide, mm-hmm. but he had a little tickle in the throat, um, which couldn't be soothed by his beers with Mark Rusciuto last night, apparently. <laughs> We're assuming. So Duck is the number one clown of the week for mine for a start.
1: And even on Twitter at Hot MMHotBreakfast. Uh, he's been nominated also for being known now as other, because there was the controversy with uh, the Herald Sun footy fan survey during the week, and uh, our man wasn't nominated in one of the categories, so you got Damon Johnson from the Herald Sun in yesterday, was it yesterday, to explain uh, where he might have been in those footy fan survey categories.
0: Duck's got his nose out of joint that he didn't get a run in Mm -hmm. the top 12 football analysts in the game, according to the public. He is of the opinion that his name was never on the list to be chosen from. How would you respond, sir? 100% wrong. We've got Brereton, we've got Dunstall, we've got Frawley, Rusciuto, King, and uh, Richo, and we've got Other. (laughs) 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 And... And you know why that really makes me laugh is because I brought this up with him on Monday Mm. and he's like, as if I care, mate, as if I care, but you know it hurts him.
1: But he also knew that he wasn't there to begin with. So he knew more than he was pretending to And then
0: brought out the fact that how many media analysts of the year has Mm. Cameron Ling or Matthew Richardson won at the AFL Media Awards, which is voted by on your peers. So uh, yes, I think he was uh, a little disappointed. We also spoke during the week about some of the worst jobs we've had, uh, Rosie and I related a. a job to you out in the western suburbs, where I had to go into a tyre factory where they retreaded tyres, mm. and I had to get a sponge, terrible, and dip it into some black paint, and hold it to the tyre as it spun round and re-blacken the tyre. Shocking job. We're, the only good part of the job was once at eleven thirty, the fire, uh, the factory caught on fire, oh. and we all got to go home. Brilliant. That was that. the highlight of that job. As it turns out, duck has had all sorts of jobs, one carrying the big water containers around the offices, never fail. which apparently he used to do in his footy shorts and singlets <laughs> with mullet in front of the secretaries. But uh, he's been sacked from a few as well for unusual reasons.
8: Eagle lighting, Peter Derouche.
0: <laughs> it just keep coming, Rose. full yeah, class, lighting. That didn't last long either. Well, what was eagle lighting? What well, happened down there? Eagle, well, I, I, I did a pop-off. <laughs> <laughs> Clown of the Week. uh, Did a fart and got sacked out of a job. (laughs) Well, it's
1: fair enough, but
0: really. That job lasted a week. His job as a wool classer lasted two days, apparently. I don't even know if it was that long. Didn't like it. Clown of the Week, Kitty Chiller. Yes. Uh, It was all about Anna Mears being the Australian flag bear. It was a celebration of Anna and her career. But halfway through Kitty's introduction, I all of a sudden thought Kitty Chiller was the one going to be carrying the flag.
12: Well it's a great honour and privilege for me to today announce our Rio 2016 opening ceremony flag bearer. The athlete I have selected is the epitome of what our team represents. The athlete I have selected is already an inspiration to all of Australia and I know will take on this role with the commitment and passion that has been the hallmark of their career to date. The athlete I have (laughs) selected as the Australian Olympic team opening ceremony flag bearer for Rio is... Anna is
0: As Spud would say, Mimi, me, 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 yes. me, I thought she was going to announce herself there, Rosie. The
12: it's athlete me, I have selected
0: is me, 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 <laughs> me So Kitty Chiller goes down as Clown of the Week. Uh, yes.
1: Now, um, we don't mind turning the mirror onto ourselves how Here at oh, Clown yes. of the Week. And we had Liam Picken on We did the other day. And we you did. decided to do the right thing and give out the Go Dogs phone number. Yes. But there was also another number on yes. the running sheet, which happened to be his personal mobile number. And you read it out.
0: Liam Picken is with us Western Bulldogs have hit their membership record for the second year running thanks to their loyal members. If you're yet to sign up call 1300 Go Dogs and help them get to 40,000 in 2016, currently only 900 short of that. 04 04- <laughs> I'm blaming Sarah, our producer, <laughs> yes, who had his mobile number on enough. the rundown, so she could ring him. Mm. And poor old Liam Pickham, I've announced his number, to, so hopefully for all those membership calls, he got he signed a few up. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So no, welcome,
1: welcome that. to the the hallowed turf of <laughs> clown of the week. Thank
0: you. Now the final oh, clown yes. of the week. If anybody out there. We're trying to get hold of this gentleman to get him on later in the show. His name is Butsy. He's a mate of Duck's, mm. but Duck is asleep with his bad sore throat, so <clears> he can't <throat> get uh, Butsy's number. Butsy is a serial data on tinder that uh duck brought this to our attention yesterday clown of the week buttsy, you just need to wind it back a touch what is a regular user of tinder and H- you said he'd been on a few well, dates. What's maybe a few? maybe he's uh more than regular okay what's a few he's dates? he's on
8: like 15 to 20 dates a week a 20 week. dates a week he's yeah this caused a stir in the office.
1: There's about 10 or 12 of us sitting out there in the pit where we all sit yesterday. Mm. Many, many, many questions about Butsy. Um, just how does he do it? I, what does I, it entail? I can't how get often past are you the, seeing them? The small they, talk. It's just ridiculous. So yeah. we need to speak to Butsy.
0: How do you remember the name? So if you know Butsy, give us a call one triple three five three and if give us his details. If you are Butsy, now Butsy, we'll look after you. We're going to be nice to you. We're we just, just intrigued. Yes. Intrigued. Rosie Duck brought us a big exclusive yesterday about Tinder and his good mm. friend Butsy, yes. who is a serial dater apparently. Good at it. A very good at it. This is what uh, Duck had to tell us yesterday. What is a regular user of Tinder? And You said he'd been on a few well, dates. Maybe, what's a few? Maybe he's uh, more than regular. Okay, what's a few he's dates? He's on like 15 to 20 dates a week. <laughs> a week? 20 <laughs> dates a week? He's, yeah. Butsy is on the line. Yay. We don't have him for long because he's very, very busy, Rosie. <laughs> Hello, Big Butsy. Howie, how are you, mate? Wonderful to speak to you. Now, I want to badge this story by Duck saying you are one of the great romantics out there. You're searching for a beautiful woman. You're looking to fall in love, and, and I love that about you, Butsy. Mate,
9: I've never heard a story with so much mayonnaise on it. To be
0: honest. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now, g- give me a, a true estimation of the number that we, you would turn over in a good week on Tinder, as far as dates go, big Butsy. Oh, look, it was it's three or four maximum. Three or four, so uh, plus yeah. GST, that's ten, I reckon. Tell us. Well, I had, I had one last
9: night, actually. That was that was a good
0: one. Well, describe it to us. Firstly, Butsy, for all the single women out there in Melbourne, describe yourself to us here on the winter breakfast.
9: Geez, put me under the pump. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Look, well, what does I your just, Tinder profile say, big no, boy?
9: look, I, I just like meeting people. I just find it fascinating to meet people. So there's no pressure going into anything. I just I ask them if they want to meet up, and let's, let's take it from there and have a drink and just enjoy meeting people. So how
0: does – no, I'm not, I think it's fantastic. It's <laughs> use of modern technology, buttsy, But for me, I struggle with small talk. So how do you start one of these dates if you're up to sort of number six for the week? Where are you going to start things off?
9: Oh, it does take a bit of time. I think I think uh, the, whole, the whole, as Duck said yesterday, I, I, I'm a very outgoing, well, not outgoing, but I just like getting out and I'm, I'm quite social, so I don't just sit on the couch and do nothing all day, contrary to what Duck was saying. <laughs> um, but I think the world is changing, Howie. It is. No one goes out anymore, they're all at home on the couch, so if you can't boot him, sometimes you ought to join them. <laughs>
0: Uh, what about expense well what are you typically because I presume being the gentleman that you are you're paying for the date so
9: this it's uh, that's the one thing that holds me back it's very expensive because uh, I don't particularly like Dutch or, or anyone paying so you've got to just uh, do the right thing Harry
0: Okay, now, buttsy Duck related, the whole thing, uh, the reason this kicked off is Duck related a story that you went out with a beautiful girl on Twitter, and in Duck's words, you fall in love with every single girl because you're no, romantic, we, and I, I love don't that. don't believe anything he says, do
9: you?
0: Sure. Okay, do I need to believe that you took a girl out on Tinder, and then a couple of days later, you are out at a venue? Oh, look, I'll,
9: I won't and, comment on that because it's, uh, it is quite personal, but... Um, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as you made it out, but I'll, I'll leave it alone because I know the person involved won't appreciate
0: it. Okay, no problem about that, uh, Butsy. So are you... Uh, sell yourself to the girls of Melbourne out there.
9: Um, I didn't expect this phone call, mate. I just can't believe... Are we online now? We
0: are. Yes. They're, 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 every Sorry. single female in Melbourne is listening to you, Butsy. They're all looking to fall in love. Why should they fall in love with you? Uh, well, I don't know, mate. I don't know. You, you asked, them that. <laughs> Question
9: like that. Okay,
0: is it too difficult to meet girls in the traditional environment these days? Are, are we not it's meeting getting girls? Harder, mate. Okay, why All is that? All my
9: mates are married with kids and uh, it's, it's a tough market out there, mate, I tell
0: you. Oh, I've got no doubt it is. So what's the perfect woman for you then, Butty? If uh, if the girls find you, what are you looking for in love and life, Butty?
9: I need someone with a sense of humour, someone very relaxed, um, open-minded and uh, quite you know, intelligent and a person in their own right who doesn't sort of take too much, take things to ground too much, you know.
0: You sound like a beautiful man. If I was a lady looking for love, Butsy, you'd be my first stop. There's no doubt about it. Oh, thanks, Harry. too, mate. <laughs> As we let you go, would you like to advertise how people could find you on the aforementioned no, social media? No, I'll let media? that go. I'll let that go. Okay, they'll find you, Butsy. Hey, thanks for coming on, having a laugh with us. We appreciate your time, here, on, Butsy. You, All right. Um, Well, a little bit sheepish Rosie, but I think he's a man that deserves to fall in love with a beautiful lady. I think that the right woman is out there. The right woman is out there. Just a matter of time, I think. Yeah. Keep plugging away, Butsy. She's there. As long as he doesn't send himself
1: broke. No. I think he's a good chance, Rose. Uh, Or miss out on a date because he's too busy at another one. The (laughs) scheduling must be incredible. He needs a personal assistant.
0: For the second time in 48 hours, an African-American male suspect has been shot dead in the United States of America by the local police enforcement officers. The second shooting is Philando Castile, a 32-year-old who was shot dead in Falcon Heights, Minnesota. The school cafeteria worker was allegedly pulled over for a broken taillight, allegedly pulled over for a broken taillight, Rosie, and Mm. was shot when he reached for his license and vehicle registration. Now, an extraordinary story with with obviously enormous racial undertones in the United States of America. Even more extraordinarily, his girlfriend, Lavish Reynolds, was in the car, sitting in the passenger seat when the incident happened. And moments after the incident occurred, that was her boyfriend being shot. She started live streaming the situation on Facebook. It has blown up the internet, as you would imagine. It is confronting. There's no doubt about that. Let's have a bit of a listen. You will hear uh, Lavish and also the police officer involved.
7: He was trying to get out his ID and his wallet out his um, pocket and he let the officer know that he was re- he had a firearm and he was reaching for his wallet and the officer just shot him in his arm. He just shot his arm off. We got pulled oh, over on LARPiner. I told him not to reach for it. I told him to get his hand off it. He have, you told him to get his ID, sir, and his driver's license. Oh, my God. Please don't tell me he's dead. Please don't tell me my boyfriend just went like that. Keep your hands where they are, please. Yes, I will, sir. I'll keep my hands where they are.
0: As I said, um, when you hear it, um, and I'm sure this is going to cause all sorts of problems, as you would expect, in the United States of America, we got Robert Penfold, the Channel 9 foreign correspondent, yeah. on the line from the United States of America. You'll hear from Robert. He also refers to the governor of Minnesota, Mark Dayton. You'll also hear from that man, Mark Dayton.
8: We had another police shooting only the day before. As well, another situation like that, and uh, of course these go on all the time and, and continually. Of course, it turns out to be uh, African Americans, Black Americans, and white police officers. Um, the governor says that he believes it was a racist shooting and uh, it will be investigated. Obviously, would this have happened if those uh, passengers, the driver, the passengers were white? I don't think it would have. So I'm forced to confront, and I think all of us in Minnesota are forced to confront that this this kind of uh, Racism exists.
0: Yeah, so that is the Mayor Mark Dayton, which is strong comments, as Robert pointed out, directly after the incident, after only seeing the video. And, Rose, we've got to be careful, and we mentioned to Robert when we were having a chat with him that this is not just a problem in America. This is a problem all around the world, and you don't want to cast stones because our own country has all sorts of problems Mm. with racism, et cetera, that we're all aware of. I was relating the fact that, Robert, i have been watching a documentary on O.J. Simpson made in America, and I was up to it's – a, it's a very historical documentary, and it looks back to Rodney King and the beatings in Los Angeles, which caused Los Angeles to go into full riot mode. And that was in
1: 1991. 1991. So 20-something years
0: later, not much as different. Well, and I think that's the point, Rosie. Mm. You, you know, you hope and you pray that we're all heading in the right direction, and – as doesn't Robert like said, it. it doesn't feel like there has been many gains made, so I'm sure there'll be a lot more to come from the United States of America out of this 2008 Premiership player from the Hawks to bring us up to date on all the footy this weekend, the dog, Campbell Brown. Hello, dog. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. Great to speak to you. Have you been out and fed the llamas this morning, uh, Barrack <laughs> Alama and uh, Johnny Drama Llama?
2: Yeah, yeah, they've been well and truly fed. So that's The miniature pony? Miniature pony, yeah, flying along.
0: <laughs> What's That's a miniature pony's name? Uh, Poppy. Poppy, of course it is. <laughs> now, moving on from Poppy, who took an absolute, I like the segue, an absolute <laughs> hanger last night. What about this effort from Surioli? I'll play it to you, Brownie, then I want you to tell me whether you think it was a mark.
2: Yes. Brand, now back inside. Oh!
3: Senior hands on back a little bit up oh, and sat there for an eternity.
4: <laughs> Broadbent's gone under for the second one. He'll be in the photo for the
2: week. Oh, he is unbelievable. Is Serial ever it? What? Oh. I oh, know. The umpire's seen the replay and said he dropped the You can't look at the can't do replay. That. You paid the mark though, Ruth. You can't. I, I know you can't, that. but that's what looked to have happened.
0: Now, Dog, I'm quite happy to say I'm very biased as far you as Cyril goes. So I was chucking stuff at the telly. Pay it, pay it. You're a little bit more, less biased, shall we say? What do you think?
2: Uh, it, was, it definitely hit the ground, Harry. I'm oh. sorry to say, mate. To the naked eye. Get him off. Eye, <laughs> it uh, it looked like a mark, but uh, on replay, it clearly hit the deck, and there was a, a really good call there by the umpire.
0: That's not what I was after, Brownie. But did, did he? Oh, did he? No, How the, the boys on Triple M were intimating? And it's hard to tell on the telly that he paid it and then looked up at the big screen. Did you see it that way, or hard to tell? No, off the I box? didn't.
2: No, I think they uh, it, it clearly hit the deck, and the umpire was in a pretty good spot. So, um, great attempt would have been almost contender for mark of the year. But the other argument, which uh, which Port Adelaide fans were screaming about, was well, what happened to the hands in the back rule? Mm. Because that was getting paid sort of twelve, eighteen months ago if he did that, but I'm glad they didn't pay that because that's what we love to see in the game, but unfortunately for Scissor, she didn't quite hold on to that.
0: Uh, For mine, hands in the back, if you take the mark, it's okay. If you drop the mark, (laughs) then pay it. That's that's what I like to see. A big win by the Hawks last night. Interesting comments by the coach. I didn't make much of them, but Duck and the rest of the footy world did. Is he a master manipulator, your former coach, Alistair Clarkson?
2: Absolutely. He never says anything to the press that he hasn't thought through very clearly, Alistair Clarkson. So, That was more a shot at his team than he's never um, belittled or undermined an opposition club in his whole coaching career. So that was firmly aimed at the Hawks. And um, he would have known it might have bristled Port Adelaide a little bit, uh, but he got exactly what he wanted, a response, a really tough, hard-fought game. There was a lot of uh, physical contact and his boys came out on top, so... um, He's a very smart man, Clark, as we already know.
0: Yeah, really nice win by the Hawks as we do in footy, Brownie. We turn our attention to tonight's game, which will obviously be on Triple M Footy. The Cats take on the Swans. The Big Bud, uh, well, not surprisingly, but unusually, has never played a game down at Geelong before. This will be an absolute belter, and congratulations to Kieran Jack in Game 200, although probably not the week he was after, to be (laughs) fair. No,
2: definitely not. It's been sidetracked a little bit by the family affairs, but he's been a superstar, hasn't he? And yeah, it's one of those anomalies that uh, the Big Bud in his 13th season of football uh, has never gone down the Geelong Highway. But yeah, that's what made the Hawks win last night just a little bit more important because obviously these two clubs uh, aren't too far behind. And had they dropped that last night, then uh, obviously they get bumped off the top of the ladder. But Sydney, I I think they're going to bounce back tonight because they'd be absolutely spewing with with the two losses that they've had by, you know, less than a goal, the Richmond game, they should never have lost. men then on the weekend, the Western Bulldogs game, they had that game done and dusted and, and they gain just poor time management of the clock in the dying minutes, cost them another game. And if they'd have won those two, they'd be, they'd be one game clear on top of the ladder. Um, so I can, I can see them just really responding. Um, it's going to be a pretty tough, tough trip for them down there, but, uh, Good game of footy.
0: Yeah, it'd be a ripping game of football, that one. There's a few more as well, Dog. There's a bit of interest. Uh, one sentence answer. Can GWS win the flag? Are you a subscriber to this? They need to have played a grand final before they can win one, yes or well,
2: no? Well, I wasn't. I've always believed that you need to play you know, at least a final series and, and you know, lose lose one before you win one. But I reckon they could be the exception. And I was having a chat to uh, a couple of the Hawks boys over the, the buy round. Mm-hmm. And I said, which... Which side would you not want to play in the finals? And the answer was GWS. Really? Which really surprised me. Um, I just think that they're quick and they're brash and they've got a, a dangerous forwards and um, they've got that that air of, of confidence about them that, says that they can uh, they can do anything, especially on their, their home deck at Spotless.
0: Yeah, and the AFL said during the week that they'd expect them to play both finals if they were to win and finish top two of those games at Spotless Stadium. So good news for the Giants. The Dogs take on Richmond. Where are you at with the Western Bulldogs at the moment?
2: Liking them. Yes, liking them a lot. Um, There's such a better side with Eastern Wood and, and uh, JJ Johansson in that side. It's just that run and carry and dash that they were probably lacking when uh, Bobby Murphy and Maddie Suckling, mm. a few of them went down. So um, yeah, they're going along beautifully, and they'll be yeah, they'll be beating the Tigers. The Tigers are almost in full rebuild mode at the moment. Dimmer pulled the trigger on a few of the senior guys, and uh, I think it's the right call. You just need to get Liam McGreen in there, and he's been at the club four years. He's played two AFL games. There's eight weeks left. Just show us what he can do. And uh, there's a few guys there playing for their football careers in the last few weeks.
0: Yeah, it's a good call. Pull the trigger and find out whether these boys can play at the AFL level or not. North Melbourne, we had Sean Higgins in the show earlier on. Big game for them against West Coast. who don't travel well, but West Coast at home is West Coast at home. Let's be frank. Yeah, but they dropped the game to Adelaide, remember? They did, Doc. Um,
2: So they're not the West Coast at home that we've come to know over the last few years. And um, I think the Kangas, you know, they had two six-day breaks leading into their bye and, and a really tough game. So they played the Hawks on a brutal Friday night game and then they went over and played Adelaide at Adelaide Oval and they were in the contest and then they just they just looked fatigued in that last quarter and got dominated. So I think the break came at a pretty good time for them and I can see them going over to, to Perth and being really competitive. I, I still think West Coast will win, but they would really upset themselves um, for this game coming off you know, the, the, the we're on top of the ladder, 10 and 0, and mm. then the last month sort of fell away a little bit, um, and I think they're going to go over there. And, and the bigger ground almost suits the Kangas a little bit because Boomer Harvey and some of these guys get get a little bit more space and run and carry, so get, that's going to be another cracking contest.
0: Dog, you've given us a very nice summation of the world of football. As we let you go, anything else we need to know about in the world of the dog?
2: <laughs> no, there's always a bit going on, mate, mm. but... Uh, No, relatively low-key, actually, at the
0: moment. All right, well, I I will see you on Saturday night at the football and then Sunday twilight as well with a great Barry Denner, I believe.
2: Two times this week, Howie. I'm looking forward (laughs) to it.
0: Not as much as I am, brother. Thank you, Campbell. Good on you, mate. Great to speak to the dog, Campbell Brown, always a man with a smile on his face. (laughs) Yes. And never bows to public opinion.
1: And can he dance? Oh,
0: can he dance? He can do all sorts of
1: things. Is
0: he really on the dance floor? Yeah. Okay. Doesn't surprise (laughs) me there's not much he can't do. Rosie, this always gives us a lift at the end of the week. James oh, Young, sure Cherry Bar's own. Good morning, good morning.
8: In.
13: Hello, Jimbo, how are you? Fantastic, Howie, great to be here, Rosie. Hello. Now, first,
0: take us down the coast. You're bringing
13: something hot out of Warrnambool. I'm very, very happy to announce that uh, Warrnambool, well, Melbourne hard rock outfit, Airborne, uh, today have released uh, uh, a brand new single. I think it's actually the title of their new album, Breaking Out of Hell. Mm-hmm. And later on, I'll talk about some some not pleasing hard rock news, but uh, this is pleasing. So from Melbourne, Airborne, Breaking Out of Hell, let's hear world exclusive on the Triple M Hot Breakfast. Oh, yeah.
0: James, I was going to ask you why they call it James Rock, uh, J- Hard Rock, but I think that's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? Yeah, of course. You've got
13: the O'Keefe brothers there, and you always know you're going to have a great rock and roll band when when one member of the band's surname is Street and the other one's surname is Rhodes. So you've got Streety and Rhodesy, <laughs> and the O'Keefe brothers there, and they are stalwarts of the Melbourne rock scene, and I'm very excited for them. And uh, on a day where, where it, huge news has just dropped... Um, For me, it's huge news. It's Mm. huge news for the Triple M listeners. Uh, Cliff Williams, uh, bass player of ACDC, has announced that he will retire and leave the band at the end of this um, somewhat cursed rock or bust world tour from ACDC. And if you just think about in recent times, Howie, Mm. um, sadly, we've lost Malcolm Young, my favorite member of the band, the the rhythm guitarist. Um, um, Sadly, he's recovering from or he's got dementia. He's out of the band. Then we lost Phil Rudd, the drummer my all-time favourite drummer. Is he the uh, New Zealand chap? Yeah, he is. Right. <laughs> Brian Johnson got kicked out because of his he- hearing problems and singing problems, and now Cliff Williams. That's four of the five members of ACDC have all left. I mean, I mean, talk about a black cat crossing mm. the band's path. So you've just got Angus left, and I know there's a huge call at the moment is put the cue in the rack, fellas. It's all over. I'm going to take a slightly different take, and it's for this reason. When I was at the Rock or Bust, uh, two shows they did at Etihad Stadium this year, I saw how that band still inspires young children. Right. With my friend Angus, Angus Sampson, his kid Monty. Mm. This six-year-old kid fell in love with rock and roll because of ACDC. And I've got an idea. Oh. I've got an idea. Go on then. For – while everyone's there going, all these original members, they've gone – Let's have a think for a moment here. Angus could turn to Mark Evans, the original bass player. Right. He could, he could turn to Dave Evans, the original lead singer, who preceded Bon Scott and is still singing in the mm. local scene. And he could turn to Phil Rudd on drums. By the way, I still trust Phil. If you put the sticks in his hands, he's not going to let you down. Off off stage is a bit of a worry, but then you've got if you've got Phil Rudd, Mark Evans, Dave Evans, and Angus, you've all you're back to ostensibly the original lineup. We'll always miss Malcolm, but we've got his nephew Steve there. So anyway, very sad news in Australia. It's there's been a lot of arguments over a lot of um, a lot of uh, beers in Australia over um uh, the fill in lead singer, which of course, Axel Rose. Where, where
0: do you sit on the whole Axel Rose scenario? I
13: think it was a. A catastrophe. I think it was absolutely the wrong selection, and the reason I think that is because I love Guns N' Roses and Axl Rose, and that's kind of Sunset Strip Hollywood right. um, rock. Yep. And then you've got ACDC, which I see as quintessential Australian pub rock, Blue singlet, and Never the Two Shall Meet. So who should they have gone for? Oh, well, well, we've just heard um, Joel O'Keefe from Warnable. We could have had Dave Larkin from Dallas Crane. We could have gone... Um, Angry Anderson, I would have gone Australian. I think it had to be Australian, had to have a blue singlet, had to be working class, Aussie pub rock. It's the best rock and roll in the world. And I think that's what I would have liked to have seen. But anyway, for ACDC fans, it's a very reflective weekend. Cliff Williams who has been in the band for 39 years. The first record he played on, my all-time favourite ACDC record, Power Age, back in uh, 78, after he joined the band in 77. But the other reason we reflect how he is Mm. tomorrow, Mm -hmm. the 9th of August, would have been... Ronald Belford Scott's 70th birthday. Bon Scott turned 70. I would have turned 70 tomorrow, and uh, uh, you know the the larrikin, the quintessential larrikin Aussie pub rock lead singer, voted by classic classic rock magazine as the number one frontman in the history. Of rock and roll, sadly miss. And needless to say, we're having a bit of a celebration down in ACDC Lane at Cherry Bar. I'm even going to wipe the cobwebs off my own collection and come in oh. and pay homage to what um to Bon Scott. And you'll be pleased to hear that one of Melbourne's best up and coming young bands, Amel and the Sniffers, will be playing. Um <laughs> Who uh, and the Sniffers? Am- Amel and the Sniffers will be, pl- will Who's be playing. Who's Amel? Uh, uh, along with that's Amy Taylor. <laughs> Who's the Sniffers? That's the band. Okay, and they are fantastic, and they're supported by Roast Tattoo, which is a new <laughs> Tribute act to Rose Tattoo featuring members of Drunk Mums.
1: Oh, they played on Tuesday night at Cherry.
13: They did. And oh, Velvet oh, yeah. Elevator from Wollongong. So it's a decent lineup. But let's go back to Bon for a moment. Allow me, indulge me, Howie. Mm. My all-time favourite ACDC song is Rock and Roll Singer featuring my all-time favourite Bon Scott line. Going to be a rock and roll star. Yes, I are." And we have to hear Indulge me for a minute Just listen to the songwriting Listen to the great man Here's Bon Scott In ACDC With Rock and Roll Singer Happy birthday Bon You're the greatest And you were a rock and roll star, Bond. You are the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. What a hero. Rock and roll singer from Bond Scott and ACDC there.
0: I love your passion. I just have one question before we let you go. Yes, One it. of my favourite bands, I just want to know what they're up to, my good friends, I Spit on Your Gravy. <laughs> <laughs> who who re, reunited after 15 years last
13: week at the Tote, and they brought the house down, you'll be pleased Did to hear. Did they?
5: Luckily, uh, Fred Negro
13: did, didn't bring the, the roast chicken.
1: No, but he did Sunday night at Lost down in St Kilda. They did a, a, um, a small, small, very small uh, reprise of I Spit On Your Gravy and Fred did do the Bit roast brought the roast chicken. chicken. There you go. Oh, I've always and been a big fan. And when you say did do the roast chook, <laughs> he did do the roast chook. Okay, so what's the roast chook? I don't think I think we'll move along <laughs> about what's happening in Melbourne just quickly. Okay. Tonight,
13: Friday night, uh, Wild Honey from Sydney are playing at Penny Black in Brunswick. Uh, Michelangelo and Rob Snarsky, are part, as a part of the Leaps and, Founds and Bounds Festival, at the Melbourne Spiegel Tent in Johnson Street, Collingwood, are performing. You'd love King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. I they're love on, King on Gizzard at and at the, the Lizard Croxton. Wizard. <laughs> uh, the Angels are playing with sex at the Palms at Crown. No. S. Yes. Abby oh, wow. Mays at the Northcote Social Club. Saturday night, the Celibate Rifles. And the Hard-Ons are together at the Tote. Sweet. um, Interesting
0: combination. Celebrate (laughs) rifles and the Hard-Ons. That's right. And uh,
13: (laughs) let's remember if you're in the Bendigo region or even if you want to drive on the weekend, you've got until the 10th of July to go to the Bendigo Art Gallery to see the outstanding Marilyn Monroe exhibition. So there you go.
0: Who was it? King Lizard and the Wizard Gizzards, was it?
13: Buddy, King Gizzards and the Lizard Wizard have sold out three shows at the Croxton. That's that's over 3,000 tickets, that isn't it? outstanding and that band is so prolific they produce i think they've had seven albums over three and a half years they no, come no. out with a new album every six months they break every rule and everyone loves them um i I, know, I saw i know friends who saw them in los angeles this year and the world is falling in love with melbourne band King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard.
0: Remember the name, Howie. Well, they've certainly broken the rules as far as naming your band. There's no doubt about that. James, we appreciate your time. Cherry Bar's owned the best spot in Melbourne to go for all sorts of things. You can hang out with Youngie there and check out ACDC there this weekend with everything you've got out of your collection. Thank you very much. Great, man. Have a good uh, weekend. Thank you. Listen, uh, we're winding up now, Rose. I think we're done. Thanks, Howard. two been weeks. It's been an excellent two weeks. It has. Uh, just for mine, for a sec, thank you to Sarah for putting this all together and MJ for stepping in today. Hannah and Jakey have been phenomenal all week. Maddie on audio and DC last week. But more importantly, you, Rosie, you've kept us on the right track. You've been <laughs> a great editorial direction. I should thank Duck, but he didn't turn up today, no, Rose. stuff him. So, yeah. Stuff the duck. I'll There's see other him things. tomorrow
1: for the Saturday rub yeah. and I will cold shoulder him for you.
0: Okay. Everyone else, enjoy your weekend. The boys will be back on Monday morning with the hot breakfast, heading to the top of 15 degrees in Melbourne. Stay safe. Have a ripping weekend. Peace.